This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. He gave it away. Coulter scores. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 18 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Croser, and I am your host. Today's a different one. We're going to launch two episodes in the same podcast. So, episode number 18, we have Mr. Ben Silverman and the great Grant Fear to follow. Um, wow, these are two really good interviews. Really excited actually to get them out to you guys because... You know, uh, just gives good perspective on both sides of, you know, two games. You know, you have, you know, Benny playing on the Corn Ferry and, and, and flirting with the PGA a little bit there. And he tells a lot of good stories. You know, even what he shot, I think 100 and whatever it was one round. And, you know, now he's battled to be a professional golfer. So, yeah, that's not bad. And then you look at a guy like Grant Fear who, who won five Stanley Cups. And, you know, he, he's been an all-star multiple times and, people rip him apart all the time like, like he's a five-time Stanley Cup champion I don't care five-time Cup champion so both uh, really good interviews by both these guys um, you know we actually are launching our second it'll be segment will be uh, inside the clubhouse I believe or that might have been on Monday just with Kami so we launched uh, Dean Prosty there hope everyone enjoyed that uh, first segment with those uh, with Dino you know he Gives us an update on, on golf tournaments. It was great. It was great for everyone. Is I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'd imagine that everyone else would have enjoyed it as well. So um, moving forward, uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, underscore off the hosel, underscore off the hosel on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook is just off the hosel. Also, today is Wednesday, so this pod is dropping. That means you have two more days left to get your um, your t- uh, take a photo of your deck roll, of off the hosel deck roll. Where it is, your laptop, your uh, your TV, your camera, or whatever the hell it is, your car. Uh, I don't know why it'd be under TV or your camera. But anyways, take a photo, send it in to us, and we will pick a winner. Maybe even a, a vlog winner or whatever it may be just to, to make, make everyone happy. We're not too sure yet what we'll do. But yeah, so get those in. And yeah, I don't have much more. So let's uh, send it on over now to Ben Silverman. Hope you guys enjoy it. This segment of Off the Hustle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownie's Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Alrighty, now I'm joined uh, all the way from Thornhill, Ontario, and please be joined by Corn Ferry Tour player Ben Silverman. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast today, Ben. Yeah, no problem. Good to be on. So, uh, what's new, and and how are you doing during these uh, uncertain times here? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Just. Um getting a lot more gym time in than I normally would traveling on the road. <laughs> so that's kind of one of the things I want to ask. I mean, uh, 
how does a guy like you stay in shape during all this? I mean, are, are you are you smashing balls? I mean, what are you doing different, I guess, that you, you kind of just said than you would be on a day-to-day basis on the tour? Yeah, so pretty much, I mean, off, I'm uh, like upstate New York area, and golf courses have been kind of on and off, back and forth, open, close, open, close. There's like a lot of new uh, clarifications in, uh, you know, from – from the governor about whether you can golf or not. So I've been jumping out when I can on the course and then all the driving ranges are closed. Practice facilities are closed and it's still early in the season up here. So I bought a net threw that in the backyard with a mat to hit off of. And, um, luckily I got a gym in the basement at my in-laws house here with, you know, full weight. So I can keep at, at that, keep my strength up. Um, and that's about it. I mean, there's no, no competition. There's no like games with guys and all that stuff. So it's a little bit different than that thing. Nice. That that sounds great. I mean, I wish to be hitting golf balls right now and and whatnot. But I mean, everything down here in Regina, Saskatchewan, is uh, shut down completely, basically. So there's not a whole lot of practicing. <laughs> yeah, there's. I know Canada. Canada is a whole lot of my family's in Toronto, and there's there's like nothing going on basically. <laughs> no recreation, you know, of any kind, other than I guess you're allowed to go walking or yeah exactly but i know every kind of public facility is closed so you're uh you're 30 years old from thornhill ontario and now you reside in west palm beach florida uh, i mean you just mentioned you're in new york i mean uh how is that i mean how's that transition going from you know thornhill ontario to you know palm beach and now in new york so i'm i mean i still love florida i loved it when i first went down i had actually never been to florida until i went down for school when i was 18 and I just kind of fell in love with the weather, fell in love with how much golf there was around. And, you know, we still, uh, my wife and I have a condo in the Juneau Beach, just kind of, you know, the north side of West Palm. And it's so great, close to the water, uh, great for our two little kids. And, you know, we spend a decent amount of time there in the winter so I can get some practice in when it's snowy or freezing cold up north. And, um, so it's good. I mean, I still get to see the season changes up when it comes to New York, spring and fall and everything. And it's not like I'm in 100 degrees year-round, which is nice. <laughs> so uh, I kind of want to backtrack here a little bit. I mean, obviously, to when you were younger, um, when did you get uh, into the game of golf, and who got you into it, and any other sports growing up? Yes, I, I mean, I would just kind of do the typical, you know, go with your dad to the driving range and just, see how hard you can hit the ball, see how far it can go, but I, never any instruction. We were always into hockey. Uh, you know, I, I played a ton of hockey growing up, minor league hockey throughout the city of Toronto, greater Toronto area, and then um, and I was always playing sports in high school, volleyball and baseball, different things, like, like tons of different stuff, snowboarding, and then um, it just happened to to fall in love with golf by chance when I was on vacation in Vancouver with my family saw a sign at a at a driving range that I went to with my mom and it said a one week there like a five day junior golf camp nice and so we were there for two weeks she was like you want to do it I'm like sure I mean I've never <laughs> done anything like that so I signed up for it this is when I was 13 and after after those five days I was totally hooked I absolutely fell in love with it I thought it was the coolest game ever because I'd never seen anything other than just hitting balls on the range. Yeah. We actually got to go to the court, got to go to the course, and got some instruction. And 
I was like, man, this game is awesome. So I just <laughs> took it up from there. So well, let's touch on that then. Junior golf, how was it? Uh, did you excel? Did you dominate? Uh, and how was the junior program back when you were playing? I mean, the... Um, in terms of program, I can't really say program <laughs> for me because I had no clue about any program. I didn't even know what was going on junior golf in Canada. Okay. I didn't even know that uh, you know Canadian Junior Golf Association existed until I was 16 and decided I wanted to try a tournament. So like I was so far out of the out of the realm of the golf world, and nobody in my family knew anything about it because we weren't golfers. So I just kind of slowly started to figure things out, had to research things on my own. Um, a friend of mine from the golf team at Bond Secondary School was a really good golfer, and I just kind of learned what from him, you know, about junior golf in, in Canada. And I sucked, dude. I was terrible. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, the stories are true. In, in articles, I shot 118 in my first tournament when I was 16 years old. Really? Well, oh, yeah, no. I shot 132, I believe, one time, so it's okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's, pain, it's painful to think about it now. It's, like, I could only... <laughs> I could I could go back and think about myself, the, the amount of penalty drops I would have had to take, <laughs> the amount of golf balls I would have had to go through, and I'm pretty sure my mom just dropped me off at the tournament <laughs> and then came and picked, picked me up when it was done. So I was like... <laughs> I was, I was just in a whole world by myself. I had no clue what was going on. Well, but so then, I mean... It was, it, was, it was a good learning experience. I learned a lot from that. <laughs> Um, so then I kind of want to move on to me. And I just even like, did you play any uh, Canadian mids or, or men amateurs at all? I did, yeah, later on. Um, how how are those? I, Sorry. I got, I, got, I got a little better when I was 18. Well, yeah, you're and, a pro now, so I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't remember you know which years I played in Ontario Ams and Canadian Ams, but I I played in uh two Canadian Ams, I believe. Okay. Two or one. I don't even know. Like I didn't even do that great, so it's not like something that stands out in my head, but um I know I played in a couple Ontario Ams and then once or twice I qualified for Canadian Ams. I think twice. My mom took me once, and then I went with a buddy of mine another time. And that was when I was like in college, coming back in the summertime, and then doing doing the qualifiers for that. Um, and I might have finished somewhere, you know, missed one cut, and then made one cut. I think in the Canadian Am, but nothing, still nothing any special. Uh, so I mean, I want to move on now to your, your college golf. I mean, you split your time between Johnson and Wales University, and then went to Florida Atlantic. Uh, why the switch? Uh, how was the college life for you? Uh, and yeah. So, Johnson and Wales was pretty much one of the only schools that I could find in a in a year round golfing state like super okay. warm weather that would let you walk on and took enough players where you didn't have to be a great player to make the team. Oh really? Yeah, they were. It was like it was almost like uh, they had a a competing team and a developmental program. They literally took 30 guys on the golf team. Golf was the main sport at the school. Oh, and there wow. was only, there was only 2000 or 2200 students there. And so golf was it. They took like 30 guys. They had tryouts, maybe 50 guys showed up for tryouts. And then out of those 30 guys, you'd be on the team. You got a golf bag, you got the Johnson Wales shirts and everything. And then, 
you know, they'd still only play five guys for most tournaments. Every once in a while, they'd get two teams into a tournament, they'd send 10 guys. And so I think I, I might have averaged shooting 76, like my whole first year at school there, but that was good enough to keep playing, make the team and, and keep playing and be a part of things. And I think I played in one or two tournaments my rookie year, and that was only when we got 10 players into a tournament. Because I wasn't, I still was nowhere near the top five. Um, you know, one of the guys in the top five ended up going on the PGA Tour uh, like a few years later. Uh, there were a couple other guys that played European Tour and other professionals. So everybody was really good. It took me a while to get there. And I transferred to FAU because I, I just wanted a big school experience that, you know, before I was done. Yeah. You know, I wanted that. I wanted the. The D1 school with, you know, 30, 40,000 students, 200 kids in a classroom, like <laughs> stuff that stuff that you hear about from Canada that happens in the States with schools. Like, you know, there's not a lot of those schools in Canada. I feel like there's everything about the college experience in the U.S. And I was like, I just want to experience that. So did you uh, did you like school and any good stories from those uh, those college days? <laughs> I Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I love the freedom part of it. Okay. When you've got when you're when you're at a big campus with you know, you gotta skateboard across campus to get to classes. Like yeah. I love that. I I just thought that was so cool. And the school was growing like as I was there. It's even bigger now, FAU and you know, being able to sit in a classroom and have the teacher has no clue if you're there or not because there's two hundred people, like I love that because I'm a very independent person and I didn't you know, if I didn't feel like going to class, I didn't want to have anybody nagging on me for not going to class. I wanted to go <laughs> yeah. practice or I wanted to go hit balls, whatever. So uh, I loved it. I mean, there was a limit to how many classes you could miss being part of the athletic program. So I pushed that limit, I think, right to the end. <laughs> but every, every class I skipped, I was, I was out of the golf course practicing. <laughs> uh, did you ever win when you were there? Or, and what were some of your lowest scores? Do you know? Um. I didn't win. No, I I had, I think I had two second place finishes in my senior year. Um, my lowest score, I don't know, somewhere in the sixties. I can't remember. I might have shot sixty five or sixty six one time in nice. my senior year. Um, all my my biggest award that I got in college was player of the month award for my conference. Nice, nice. And that was that was the month where I had like two second place finishes in the same month, and I think my scoring average was seventy one for that sweet. month for those tournaments. And that was that's my biggest accomplishment in four years in college. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys also would have played against like teams like Texas, like you know, like the big schools, right? Correct or no? Every once in a while, I mean, we were. We were D one, but we were a small conference at the oh, time. Okay. We were Sun Belt Conference, and, and it was, you know, there were a couple big schools in our conference, but our school didn't have a lot of money for the golf program to travel. We weren't getting on airplanes to go fly <laughs> to these big schools and have tournaments, unless it was conference finals or regional finals or whatever. We we pretty much stayed within driving distance. Tournaments in Florida, went to like Southern Georgia once or twice, and like. And that was it. Like the unfortunate thing about not having a great track record as a junior is that I didn't really have many options to go to, you know, big 
schools with the golf programs that traveled and, you know, took big spring break trips to go play <laughs> like the best tournaments and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But you got your four year uh, degree, correct? I did, yeah. I, there got, you go. I got my four years, <laughs> bachelor degree, you know, you know I was pretty good GPA. I think I was like a three point five or six Whoa. or something there. Scholar. So, <laughs> it wasn't really bad. It could have been better if I took the time to study, but <laughs> too busy I, hitting eggs on the, on the range. <laughs> I wanted to golf. <laughs> yeah. So segueing now to me, and I just asked. I mean, I asked every guy this on the on, on the show. Um, they always they always get pretty humble and say, uh, you know, I don't know if, what what I learned, but you smoked the field in 2013 at the Makaya or Makaya Bay Games by 11 shots. How was that feeling? And when did it clue in? Like, yeah. hey, like, like this is awesome. I I can win. Um, you know, like when did you learn how to get over that hump? What it takes so to win. That, yeah. that was that was a little different experience. I mean, it was awesome winning like that. But at, at that point in time, crushing the field. I'd already <laughs> I'd already been competing on a bunch of professional, like small professional tours in Florida for three years or like two and a half years. Oh, okay. But I knew what kind of competition was out there, just outside of the Maccabi world, and I knew you know maybe one or two players in the, in the whole tournament in the Maccabi field that were, you know, really good players could potentially shoot some scores in the sixties and everybody else was amateurs. Most people that play in the Maccabi games are not professionals. Like that's not what they do for their living, yeah. for their career. So it was, you know, when I went out and shot 68 in the first round, I think I was, which was four under par, like that was a good round for me and I was very happy with it. Um, but I think I was leading by like seven or eight shots. Yeah, like after, you shot some good numbers that. that weekend or that, that tournament. That you was like sixty-eight, yeah, sixty-seven, six seventy-three or something. Like that. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I was like, for the four rounds. I was like seven hundred par, and I know I won by eleven shots. So, like that's a massive victory. But when I looked at that score compared to, you know, regular professional tours around the world, I knew my score still needed to get way better if I wanted to compete yeah. at the highest level. But in terms of the Maccabee competition, like it gave me, um, you know, awesome confidence. Even just being able to to go through that whole ceremony of getting the gold medal and having everybody on your team like tell you that was so amazing, you played so great. Like those those kinds of feelings stick with you regardless of who you were playing against, what the competition was. Um, I still keep in touch with a lot of guys from the organization and that were on my team. So it was just a lot of fun, awesome experience. I'm pretty sure you said that, uh, that name of the games that four times make me feel like shit. Uh, I appreciate it. What's that? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you said the Macabre games like four times just make me feel bad because I said it wrong the first time. I, I butchered the first uh, time. <laughs> that's all right. I didn't even notice the, uh, the phone connection, I guess is like a tiny bit choppy. So I didn't even catch it. You're good. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I also want to move into, I mean, like you, you talked about just winning there and you knew how hard it was to like, okay, like I got to shoot, you know, even 15, 20 under to really compete. When did it clue in? Hey, like maybe, maybe this could become a job and how hard it is. Um, see, that was one of the things that I never even thought about that. Maybe I have a one up over other people is that there was no, 
there was no realization in me like, aha, I can do this now, I'm good enough, or um, any other sort of deadline or timeline, like I need to be able to do this by a certain date, otherwise I'm not going to be good enough. Like none of those thoughts ever, ever came into mind or occurred to me. I decided I loved I loved the game so much. I had such a passion for wanting to get good at it just because I loved it so much. You know, kind of going back to how I felt at that junior golf camp when I was 13. So I had already decided in my head that I was going to get really good and I was going to get good enough to make it on the PGA Tour no matter what. Like, I didn't care how long it took me. I didn't care how much practice I had to put in. I wanted to be the best at it. And I had played so many other sports growing up that I was really good at but I was never really like the best or at the highest level in any, any of my sports. I was good, but I hadn't achieved that level. So I just wanted to be a professional athlete, wanted to make a career out of being a professional athlete. And when I fell in love with golf, I just decided that was going to be it. I'm going to take this one all the way. So there was no, no plan B, no second guessing, no got to do this by a certain time. You know, I used comparisons, used comparisons of other players, at the highest levels to be like, okay, these are the scores I need to be aiming for. These are the kind of statistics when I'm keeping track of keeping track of my own that I need to keep an eye on. But I wasn't comparing myself and like, oh man, that guy's so much better than me. I was just comparing the numbers. I was like, okay, those are what I need to strive for. Let's keep going. So. That's perfect, man. That's a really good, actually good way of looking at it. I mean, I know a lot of people don't do that. And like, I'm definitely the opposite of that. I mean, I'm like, wow. You know, maybe I can try and be, you know what I mean? Like, the way you look at it is pretty cool because, like, you don't care basically what everyone else is doing. You're worrying about yourself, which is, which, which is good to hear. Right. I mean, it's the lucky lucky thing in my field is that it's a numbers game. There's no opinions on whether you don't have to get somebody's opinion on yeah. whether they think you're good enough or not. There's it's, no coach. You either that. you shoot these scores or not, you qualify or not through the qualifiers, and that's it. So it helps having my mindset in that kind of setting because then it's then it's very objective it's not subjectively controlled by anybody else other than you know can i do it can i not yeah today's sponsor of off the hosel is gr flooring for all your flooring needs contact todd ripplinger at 306-537-9074 or visit him in person at 1260 mcdonald street in regina sask um, so in 2010, you then turned pro to the PGA, uh, didn't go well the first go around. Uh, what was that experience like? Like just getting your feet wet there? Yeah. I mean, I, I just woke up really quick as to, because I never got to play against the greatest college players when I was in college. I had no clue what level of talent what to I respect, needed to be yeah. at to, to be professional. Like these guys coming out of college, uh, like last year on the PGA Tour, um, Victor Hovland, Doc Redman, uh, Colin Morikawa, <laughs> yeah. um, Crazy Swank, what's his name? God, I know him too, I just I'm blanking on his name. Um, I don't know, I can't think of it. Anyway, oh, he Wolf. won the three open, he's like, Wolf, yeah, yeah. that Wolf. Um, so those four guys coming out of college we're already at that level, already competing at such a high level in college and against each other. You know, they're all similar ages and they're competing against each other. I never even saw that class of competition in college, so I didn't know. 
And when I turned pro in 2010 and started playing some mini tours, I found out really quick. I was like, shit, I got to get good. And I got to get good, like, fast. I got to work even harder than I was working. Um, So, and then again, I just use it as motivation. So I just, I put in hours upon hours. Like, I I was a member at some private country clubs in Florida, and, you know, there was no other pros there because I couldn't afford to join the, wealthier private clubs yeah and but the members that were at those private clubs will tell you if you ever find out who they are that i put in hours like eight to ten hour days five days a week just grinding on the range going out and playing 18 holes working with uh my instructor whoever my instructor was at the time and then going back and just i put in lots of time and it, it took me took me four years before I made any tour. Like 2014, I finally got through a qualifier to join the McKenzie Tour in Canada. So, you know, it's, it was a grind. It took a while, but I needed that because I needed to get that much better. So correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, you went on to the web.com and then tied for a third in the tour championship. Uh, what, what were some of those experiences like? Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was after I already had a year on the PGA Tour. Okay. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew I could compete on the PGA Tour at the highest levels, and I just narrowly missed out keeping my card the rookie year. And then when I had to go back to playoffs or on the Web.com or now the Corn Ferry Tour, um, I knew it was three events or four events at the time, one top five finish, and you're and you're back on the PGA Tour. Yeah. The problem was my game. My game was struggling at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I was, yeah, I think I I might have missed, like, two cuts heading into that final playoff event. Uh, and I don't even, I you know, I had to find one swing thought, one thing that worked, uh, kind of changed my approach to, to that tournament, not trying to do things that I wasn't good at yet, just kind of stick to my guns, whatever I knew I could handle shot-wise. And... I don't know, it was a lot of mental toughness just knowing that my back was against the wall. I had to get it done. If I didn't get it done, I wasn't going to get back on tour. And I opened up with eight, I think, eight under in round one, which wow. I think I had the round, round one lead and just kind of kept cruising from there. I mean, that was awesome to get back on tour. But then even more even more so from, from that experience, when I lost my car the second year after PJ Tour, like I just I know I can compete at that level, but I just didn't play well. There was just parts of my game that needed some work. And and towards the end of my second year on tour, you know, we were, my wife was pregnant again with our second son. There was a lot of stuff going on back and forth, traveling to tournaments, trying to be home for her. We weren't sure when the birth was going to happen, right? Yeah. So, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on there, and I ended up just not playing well at all. And then. From September, you know, September on, my son was born end of end of August, September till now. Essentially, I've been focused so hard on improving aspects of my game that I felt needed to get better to stay on the PGA Tour. You know, I kind of have that. You know, I'm not able to put the same amount of hours in as I did in college because I got wife and two kids now. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> But when I do set aside my time to go practice, I'm working 
with the same kind of intensity and focus to get better that I had in college because I know there there were areas areas of my game that needed to improve to stay on the PGA Tour. And so that's kind of the mindset I'm in right now. That's kind of where I'm at with uh, my physical fitness, trying to push my body to, to get in better shape the best it can be in, trying to get my game in the best shape it can be in all aspects. Um, you know, I'm just really determined even more now to, to be better than I ever was. I actually I asked a lot of these pros that come on that yourself and, uh, and a few other guys, um, how hard is it? I mean, you know, you have a wife and you, and you have two kids. I mean, you know, like you have, it's no different than pro like hockey players or whatever it is. You know, you're at the range or you're at the course all day and then you got to go home and then be a dad and, and be a good husband, right? So, I mean, how, how hard is that being a, a father, you know, on the tour? It's just, a, it's um, mentally demanding. I mean, it's fun. I love it. I love having my family travel with me, and it's great to have a job where they can travel with me pretty often. But um, it's mentally draining. It helps to have family with us on the road that can can help out with the kids because, you know, I'm putting my heart and soul into the time I spend on the golf course, and then I get home, and I'm putting my heart and soul into being a father and husband, and, like, I'm constantly on mentally all the time you know can't just can't just go to the back room and put my feet up on a couch and just like <laughs> slack off for an hour <laughs> yeah but until my kids go to sleep and then i'm exhausted and i just want to go to sleep yeah <laughs> so it's uh it's different you just you just kind of learn how to how to deal with having to be on all the time you know there's not as much time off yeah, you got to be more strategic with your with your time management. I can't just like go out to the course for eight hours and spend a day out there. I got to put two three hours of focused work in, and then go home, and then you know be a dad. So it just teaches you how to compartmentalize your life a little bit and utilize the time wisely that that you get to go work on the game. So uh, one last note here before we move into the questions from the gallery. Um, you know, you're a professional golfer. You've been there. You've been to the top. And now you're, you're grinding to get back on top again. Um, just any piece of advice you could give our, our, our young listeners on just what it takes, you know, what, how hard the grind is. Uh, you can't cheat the game. Just uh, touch on that for us. Yeah, so what my experience has taught me is that Pretty much, if you want, as simple as this, if you want something badly enough, you can achieve it. You just have to be willing to put in the time and take sacrifices necessary. Like, you might need to, you know, work with a coach or somebody who can help you. You might need to try to raise money to help support yourself to, you know, put the time in. You might, uh, I mean... I know there's so many different things that you have to just be all in with and and be so determined to make it if you really want to do it. You know, I know a lot of guys that were trying to make it as a professional golfer, but in the, you know, their their dad or family member had a great job and there was yeah. always like a a plan a good plan B fallback if they didn't make it professionally, they'd just go straight into the family business and no worries, and they'll make a bunch of money doing that. Yeah. Um, and all pretty much all those guys didn't make it. Um, whereas I had no plan B. I had nothing I was trying to fall back to. It was 
I wanted to play and compete as a professional golfer, and that was it. I didn't want to teach. I didn't want to broadcast. I didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted to play. And with that kind of determination, I find ways to get better. You know, find the coaches to work with that are going to help me. Find the courses that are going to let me practice. Like, you know, you just kind of figure it out. So if, if you want something badly enough, you'll figure out how to make it happen. That's, that's pretty much my advice. No, that's perfect. Uh, segueing in here, you know, uh, Ben has a tight schedule here, guys. So I'm able to get these questions done quickly for him. Uh, questions from the gallery sponsored by player golf. Be sure to use the promo code off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. That's off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. Okay. Uh, lowest score and where? Uh, 61. Whoa. Hamilton country, Hamilton country club, uh, Canadian open last summer. Bodie free. Uh, I believe it was, yeah. Nice. Uh, what kind of Would have been a course record, but Brant Snedeker shot 60 like an hour earlier than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's a stick. Um, <laughs> what kind of clubs do you use? Um, I'm mostly ping right now. I've got 13 ping clubs and uh, a Betonardi putter. Uh, if golf didn't work out, what would you want to be? Don't even know. I couldn't tell you. That's how much of a plan B I don't have. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, ultimate foursome. Uh, so three golfers and then three celebrities. It's funny. I've, everybody asks that question, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's like, I'm so different in that respect. Like I didn't grow up in the golf world, so there's not somebody like I crazy envy that I really wanted to play with all the time. But uh, um, you know, if I'm just going with, with, people that would would be a lot of fun with um you know i'd love to play with jack nicholas when he was in his prime when he was like you know 30 40 years old yeah um an entertainer of mine that, that i've always thought is pretty cool and he loves golf is justin timberlake so that would oh, be a good JT. one to add there nice. JT. <laughs> and then um the fourth man that's so hard i don't even know Maybe one of my brothers, just because it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, this is a question I love to ask people. I mean, this actually was brought in, but uh, how much cash do you play for, and do you win, or, or, or have you got stroked? Um, I usually don't play for much, to be honest. Maybe, like, not much in terms of golf world, but maybe, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks or so. I'm not a big, I'm not a big uh, gambler on the golf course, because I feel like it throws me off of uh, focusing on just competing and, and being the best I can when you start having to think about money and how many up am I with this, how many holes to go, and, like, plus you're taking your friend's money. You don't really want to take a couple grand off of them, like, that, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But I'd just rather play for something fun just to make it extra competitive, but nothing too much. Uh, favorite favorite game on the course, then? What's that again? Uh, favorite game on the course, like NASA or... What are you playing? Favorite game? Uh, dude, for me, it's boring. I'll just stroke, <laughs> straight up stroke play, see who's better for 18 holes. I like it. <laughs> uh, strongest part of your game and weakest part of your game? I would say strongest part of my game is putting. Um, weakest part of my game, which is getting a lot better, is uh, chipping, 
around the green. That's one of the focuses that I've put a, a ton of time on lately. Uh, from my brother, he asked, uh, playing in international events, how hard is it going from yards to meters? Uh, I've actually, I don't think I've ever had to play in an event with meters. Okay. I think I've only ever competed in an event with yards, so I've never had to do the conversion. Well, hopefully one day you'll play and play in the Ryder Cup, and then you can switch it over from yards to meters. <laughs> exactly. Uh, last question here. Some of your favorite courses you've played? Uh, on the PGA Tour, I loved all the, the, the courses in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, those, those three courses are great. Riviera in L.A. was awesome. Uh, some other standouts. On, I mean, there's so many good ones on the PGA Tour. Uh, I don't know, it's hard to choose. I, <laughs> I liked Quail Hollow, nice. uh, North Carolina. That was a good one. And then just for fun, courses I've played around, I absolutely love the, the Cabot courses in Nova Scotia, Cabot Links and Cliffs. I think those are amazing. I heard, the, and, I, I heard they're um, unreal, so I'm excited. I wanted to down there and play one time, but I heard they're unreal. Yeah, they're so good, and they're, they're just not like golf in north america at all like one of the i saw somebody talking to a pro there when i was there and he's from ireland and i asked him i'm like so how you know the the links course here how much does that compare to something back home for you and he was like oh this is this is exactly what we see at home you know we have 40 courses like this like back at home these are links these are this is what a links course is like which i thought was really cool the fact that you know canada was able to replicate a links course that well yeah, and and then the cliffs course just has like some crazy awesome scenic views on the back nine especially. It's just a lot of fun. The whole atmosphere being over there, like Inverness, Nova Scotia. There's not much around. You're just for a golfer. If you're a golf fan and a golf nut, it's like the ultimate. Uh, okay, Ben. Uh, any last uh, piece of advice or any any notes you want to touch on before I let you go here? Um, in terms of golf, I feel like we covered covered a decent amount of things. Um, in terms, I would just say, like I know right now there might not be a lot of people listening to uh, sports things or trying to follow sports just because there's a lot of craziness going on in the world. But uh, for those who are listening and hanging on to their sports, I would just say. Um, if I could give you some pieces of advice that I'm doing right now, it's just to try to not get wrapped up in the craziness and use this time to better yourself keep and make yourself healthier mentally and physically. You know, take the time to eat some healthy foods, to have some laughs and good times with some family, catch up on some sleep, um, Stay motivated mentally in whatever your your career is or your hobbies. You know, just try to keep that active or dive into those even more, even though you might not be you know at work or you might not even be working from home or or laid off. Even you know, just it's important to I think not just sit around and and let your mind drift and watch TV. You know, keep your mind strong. Do stuff that's gonna you know push push your boundaries mentally, physically, and use this time to try to become a better version of yourself well this has been awesome man i mean uh yeah i appreciate you coming on today and we hope to see you back on the pga sooner and later all right thanks drew appreciate it
Well, there it is, the interview with Ben Silverman. Really good interview with Benny there. You know, he, he tells a lot of good things in that interview. You see what I mean? How, he, you know, he, he had a tough couple of days or what it was. He, you know, he's playing golf and just couldn't figure it out. Sometimes you just can't figure it out. And, and when you're playing it for a job, it's, I think you're held to a whole new higher standard. So um, thanks again to Benny for coming on. Uh, let's send it on over now to Mr. Uh, five-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, Grant Fear. Keep your eyes peeled for a Coors Slice Lime. It's the refreshing taste of Coors with just a hint of lime. Or try the new smooth and clean taste of Coors Organic. 90 calories, 4 grams of carbs, and made with our organic barley and hops. I am now joined by five-time Stanley Cup champion and, and you know, the great Grant Fear. Um, thanks for joining the podcast today. How are you doing? I've got no complaints. Life's good, all in all considered. <laughs> so, uh, first off, I mean, uh, where are you these days? Um, what are you up to during these tough times, obviously, with uh, COVID? Uh, are you staying healthy and safe? Uh, you know what? I'm healthy and safe. Family's good. I'm down in Palm Springs, California, so enjoying some warm weather, and at least they finally opened the golf courses here, so I've got a little something to do. <laughs> yeah, we actually got started on May 15th. They kind of announced there, and then they, I noticed they announced uh, in Manitoba on actually May 5th, I think, so it's uh, looking like things are going in the right direction. Yeah, you know what? It's it's a little bit different, but at the same time, at least you can get outside and get some exercise. So yeah, it's a good thing. So you're uh, you were born in Spruce Grove, Alberta. Um, let's backtrack to your childhood. I mean, how was that? Uh, you grew up in Spruce. Um, when did you get into hockey, and how did that all transpire? Uh, you know what? Spruce Grove is a great place to grow up. I mean, I feel pretty fortunate having grown up there. And my dad used to play the game a little bit, so I got a chance to watch him and skate a couple of times with his team plus all the kids that I grew up with played so it was kind of the local community thing that everybody played hockey and it's a perfect atmosphere to grow up in so in 1979 you joined the Victoria Cougars of the Western Hockey League um, played two years and then drafted into the NHL uh, I wanted to ask was college ever a thought or was it the Western League right away um, and, and also how was your experience uh, you know what, college is never going to be in my future. I was a horrible <laughs> student. And then most of my teachers will tell you that I was a horrible student. <laughs> the only thing the only thing I paid a lot of attention to was hockey. So the junior was a good route for me to go at that time, and Victoria was a great place to play. I and mean, I was lucky enough to go to an organization that treated it like a pro game. So it prepared me to be a professional when I left Victoria. So then you go on to Edmonton, I mean, and you, obviously everyone, I mean, this is, let us set off the record, uh, everyone's excited for this interview. Uh, you go on to win five Stanley Cups and a six-time All-Star. Um, you know, just even briefly, walk us through the, some of those uh, experiences, um, you know, becoming an All-Star. How special is that for you and, and winning uh, five Cups? Well, I think as a kid, you grow up wanting to win a Stanley Cup. So to actually be able to do it once was fabulous. But to do it five times is even more special. I mean, I was probably lucky enough to play with six or seven of the best players in the world at the time. And anytime you get an opportunity like that, it's only going to make you better. And it's fun to be around guys like that, to see how they handle themselves, see how they carry themselves. And you learn a lot that way. I was kind of curious. I mean, I was wondering, I mean, like, obviously, like, when you win one, you win two, you win three. Like, is the coach going... Hey guys, you you've been here before. Let's just go get it done. I mean, like, like what are some of those pregame speeches for those big games? Oh no, because every year is different. 
I mean, I think that's the one thing is that every year is different. And after you've won one, it's harder to win two. After you've won two, it's harder to win three. So every year gets harder and harder because everybody's out to beat you. So you have to prepare to play every game hard. And each time that you win, it just gets harder and harder. And that's kind of the fun of it is the play, you, as a player, you challenge yourself to get better. Um, I also wanted to uh, touch on, I mean, what would you say was the best and maybe most memorable? Uh, uh, you had five craps. I mean, just maybe uh, which one was the best, you'd say? I think they're all on that best level just because it's different every year. You play with different players. There's different things that happen over the course of the year to get to the finals, to win a final. So they're all special in their own way. Uh, in 1987, you, you you win the Vesna Trophy. Uh, I mean, uh, how special is that for you? I mean, you're you're obviously an unbelievable goaltender when you played, and uh, I I just want to know. I mean, I'm sure all, everyone wants to know how special was that for you. Well, it's, a, it's nice to be recognized. I mean, it was, but it's more fun to play and it's more fun to see the team do well. I think individual awards are great, but at the same time, it's more fun to win with a group of guys and the group of guys we had. We're like a big family, so yeah, it's nice adding a Vesna to the resume. And at the end of the day, it's nice to have. But at the same time, you're focused on winning Stanley Cups. So I mean, you also played. I mean, you played in Toronto, you played in Buffalo, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Calgary. Um, how were those experiences? I mean, you go from you know Edmonton just being a dominant uh, team for so many years, and and you go to the, uh, these different teams. What were some of those experiences like for you? I mean, was it different walking in those rooms? Um, yeah, just touch on that for us. But, you know, it's a little bit different. Right? When I went to Toronto, they were just starting a rebuild. So that's the first time I'd been part of a team that was in the start of a rebuild. So that was a different experience. But at the same time, it was cool to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for a while. As a, as a little kid, I, that's all you saw was either Montreal, Toronto on TV. So to be a Maple Leaf and play in Maple Leaf Gardens was special. From there, getting to go to Buffalo, John Muckler was there at that time. And we I walked into a good hockey team there. I mean, we were probably a couple of injuries away from having a real long playoff run there. From Buffalo, wandering to L.A., and with Dom taking over Buffalo and playing as well as he did, yeah. going to L.A. just gave me a chance again to play a little bit and see where I was still at competitive-wise. And luckily enough, things turned out okay there <laughs> that I signed as a free agent in St. Louis and got to log a lot of ice time. Yeah. So probably had some of my better years in St. Louis, which was nice as you're getting older. And then to come back to Alberta to finish my career, I, my mom was from Calgary, so finishing in Calgary for me was kind of a cool thing at that time. Was that ever a, a weird situation? I mean, just even the battle, even 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 this year, you know, with the Flames and others, I mean, was it different going back to, you know, Calgary and now you're playing on the team that you used to just pound and, and you guys hate each other? Uh, you know, at that time, there wasn't much of a battle of Alberta, and there had been other guys that had done it. I mean, Steve Smith was there. There had been other guys that had made that transition, so it was a lot easier to do at that time. Now, if that was the 80s, it would have been really <laughs> tough to do. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so you you move into now, uh, I mean, behind, I mean, not behind the scenes. I mean, you're on the ice still, but a uh, former goalie coach with the Arizona, uh, Arizona Coyotes. Is that correct? I did. I coached there for a little while, and I coached in Calgary for a couple of years. How was that? I mean, it's different. I mean, you're coaching now. I mean, you're seeing different uh, different sides of the game now. Uh, you know what? It's it's the same same side of the game. It's just that you don't control anything. So, for me, it was interesting because you're always learning. I mean, every year I played, you're learning a little bit. 
And I think you even learn more as you're coaching because you get a chance to sit, you look at some film, you watch guys play, you watch guys practice, and you're always learning. So you're kind of there as a sounding board because the guys that are there all have the talent. But sometimes they see things a little differently than you do, and you can bump ideas off of each other, and hopefully you help them. So uh, was there ever time, I mean, even like, you know, now you're, uh, I mean, obviously you're a golf pro, and we'll get to that uh, just a little later on here, but was there ever a time, even now maybe, that you wanted to become a GM, uh, assistant GM, uh, director of scouting? Um, yeah. No, I mean, I know goalies, and that's what I know best, so that's what I enjoyed doing. I mean, would it be fun to be a part of a hockey club again? Yeah, I would. I still love the game. I mean, I, that's one thing that I will never leave is I've always loved the game of hockey and always will. And at some point, I'll get back into the game again. So in 2003, you're inducted into the NHL Hall of Fame. Um, how special was that moment for you and your family? That's a great moment. I mean, that's kind of the whipped cream on top of a career to be recognized by your peers. I mean... I think as a player, you never ever think or dream of that. You just want to have a successful, long career. If you're lucky enough to win a Stanley Cup, great. But you never ever think of the Hall of Fame. So for that to happen is just whipped cream on top of everything else. I also wanted to talk about, I mean, your uh, autobiography called The Portrait of Champion. I mean, if you want to walk us through that, if you could, uh, maybe explain a little bit more in detail for us. Uh, it's just, we went, that went through my life. And needless to say, I didn't always do things the right way and learned life the hard way. And that's kind of how I grew up and how, uh, basically how I went through school too. Bad student. So sometimes you have to do things the hard way to learn. And part of that learning is what's made me the person that I am today. So at the end of the day, it's all worthwhile to go through it that way. Uh, you also had a, a film documentary, uh, Making Coco. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to just ask, I mean, uh, would you mind walking us through that? I mean, how was that? Elaborate just a, a bit on, you know, just going through that document, uh, do documentary, sorry. Well, that, that part was fun. It's basically taking my life and putting it on film. <laughs> and through getting, through do, knowing Donnie Metz from the time I turned pro, he worked with the Oilers. And then getting to know Adam Scorgi and getting comfortable with him, it was fun to, because you'd forget stuff that you go through over the course of your career and through your life. To go back through it and, brought back a lot of really good memories so for me i enjoy doing it i mean hopefully people learn that you can make some mistakes along the way and still be successful yeah that, that's definitely correct i mean no one's uh no one's perfect in life and then that, that's uh that's, that's a great way of putting it for sure uh okay so moving on to some golf now i mean this is obviously a golf podcast and, uh, and uh, like i said I'm, I'm happy to have you on today there grant um, you're a golf pro now. I mean, what's going on? I mean, how is that? I mean, it's a, not. A, I mean, it's kind of a big change. I mean, you're now a professional hockey player, and now moving into a professional golfer. How's that? Well, I wouldn't call him a golf pro. I'm actually director of golf, but at okay. the same time, I do a little. I do a little bit of teaching, and I work more on the mental side of the game. I mean, having been a professional athlete for 20 plus years, yes, I know how to think the game. I mean, I probably don't have the talent to play golf at a professional level, but I can think the game. So you hope the young guys, I mean, there's some young kids that I've seen that have come through that have got phenomenal talent, but sometimes don't think the game as well. And that's just part of growing up. So you get a chance to help them a little bit. It's just a different perspective going through another sport, having been a professional in a different sport. 
So, um, when did you first pick up a golf club? When did you, when did you get in into the game? I started playing in Victoria. I mean, when I first went to Victoria, I wasn't old enough to get in the bar. So, <laughs> a few of the guys played golf and kind of picked it up there and got the bug. And from that time on, I, I enjoyed playing the game. I mean, right in through my pro career, I enjoyed playing on off days and in the playoffs. I liked to play because I found it very relaxing. So it's it's a game I've always enjoyed. So you started playing in Victoria. You, uh, you mentioned. I mean, I was going to ask. I mean, uh, who do you say got you uh, into golf, and who would you say your biggest influence in life is? I mean, you know, I mean, like I said, you're you've played in the NHL. You're now you're golfing and you're a director. I mean, like, uh, who do you say is the biggest influence, and who got you in, uh, into golf? Uh, a little bit with my dad. I mean, he's probably my biggest influence, and he played a little bit with my uncles, so I get a chance to tag along as a little kid. And they looked like they were having fun. So when I got the opportunity in Victoria to play a little bit, kind of took a shining to it and enjoyed it. I mean, the fun part about golf is it's hard. And yeah, <laughs> it's hard every day, so it's a challenge. And I like, I like competitiveness, and I like the challenge. So that's kind of why I got the bug in golf. But my parents were obviously my biggest influence. I mean, they were, they're the ones that let me become an athlete, Drag me around to different cities, different towns to play baseball, play hockey. So without their help, I'd have never made it to where I did get to. So, uh, I mean, you just kind of, you mentioned that you're a, a golf director now, correct? I am director of golf out at a place called Desert Dunes in Palm Springs. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, when did that all happen? How is that going? Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, how is that all going for you? It's actually been great. I mean, I kind of stumbled into it by accident. <laughs> And I came out here to play in a Canadian tour event. Oh, it's got to be just about eight years ago now. And my wife's from the desert. I met her here in the desert. Yeah. So I mean, I was out there playing a tournament and got to be friends with the gentleman that bought the golf course and owned the golf course. And they were going through a transition to management and asked if I would help out a little bit and spend some time. And spend some time has been seven plus years now helping out so i enjoy it i enjoy the golf world i enjoy the business of golf and i'm having a lot of fun doing it so i mean you, you also mentioned to you maybe you you think that you may not be able to compete on the uh, a, a tour um i mean was there ever a thought maybe you try and become a tour player uh, you know what it was fun to try and compete but yeah, the time you put in would be the same time I put in as a hockey player, and I'd be so far behind the guys. Because yeah. the guys now start when they're 10, 12, 13 years old. And by the time they get to the tour, they will have played more tournaments than I've probably even watched on TV. So, <laughs> But it's always fun to go out and try and compete. I mean, that's the one thing as a professional athlete you never lose is that competitive factor. So. I still enjoy every now and then trying to go out and play in a professional tournament just because it's something to be competitive at and you try and push yourself. I got to ask, what's your handicap these days? Oh, I still play to scratch. So uh, I hear your sticks. I mean, uh, that, that's a good, that's a good uh, handicap. <laughs> uh, we still try and work out a little bit and have some fun with it just so that we can be semi-competitive. Uh, so I actually want to, um, who's the best golfer you've ever played with? I mean, e even from your former, uh, former teammates. Um, hockey wise, probably Brett Hall's, Brett Hall or Danny Quinn are probably the best players that I've played with professional wise, probably Phil Nicholson. Really? How was that match? 
Oh, we had fun. I mean, he's a great player and he's got phenomenal talent and skill. So it's it's a fun lesson just watching him play. That kind of leads me into my next question. I mean, I was going to ask, uh, what kind of cast uh, do you guys play for uh, on the course? <laughs> oh, the regular guys I play with, we have a little $20 skins game that we have some fun with. So just enough to keep the interest. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, you mentioned also your home course is Desert Dunes in uh, the Palm Desert there. Uh, how is that track? I mean, uh, what's it all about? It's a good little golf course. It's an old Robert Trent Jones Jr. Lynx golf course. So right now as it gets into summer, it becomes firm and fast. It becomes a hard little golf course where you've got to place the golf ball. The greens are small and they're firm and they're fast. So you can't get away with hitting bad shots. You've got to hit good shots. Otherwise, the golf course punishes you. Um, do you have any favorite courses, uh, uh, Saskatchewan, you know, Alberta, Canada? I mean, just uh, some of those courses at all? Um, I, well, I'm still a member at the Royal Mayfair in Alberta. Uh, oh, I'm a Royal Regina. Sorry. Ah, I yeah. still love Wolf Creek up there. Uh, I actually love the Willows in Saskatoon. I played. I think I played a professional event there, one of my first professional events there. Nice, so great track. For that. Great track. Uh, so I kind of want to move into, uh, some charity stuff here. I mean, I wanted to ask, uh, what kind of charities are you involved in? I mean, I, I know you were getting ready to host the first annual grant for your, uh, celebrity invitational raising funds for, correct me if I'm wrong here, the Hazelden Betty Ford clinic. Um, yep. yeah, just if you want to touch on the, some of the charities that you're involved in and even that one. Well, normally on a normal year, we probably do 35 to 40 charity events where you're going to different either dinners or charity golf tournaments. A lot of it's raising money for children's hospitals, for cancer, those sort of things. And this year I was going to host, well, I'm still going to host my first one. We just postponed it and moved it to December to raise money for the Betty Ford Center. I mean, it's something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I know a lot of guys that have gone through it. I went through it back in the late 80s. So oh, really? it's something, it's a good reason to give back to. So uh, this is a good question. I mean, is, I mean, this, we're not even to the segment uh, question from the gallery, but um, your thoughts on uh, multi-sport athletes. I mean, obviously, you look at yourself. You, you played baseball, played hockey, now golf. Um, what are your thoughts on multi-sport athletes? As you, I mean, I see it all day. I scout hockey, and I see kids focusing on one sport, and, and that's it. I think you're better off being a multi-sport athlete. It makes you a more rounded athlete. I mean, I think what you're seeing now is kids that focus on one sport are getting burnt out by the time they're mid-teens. You can't, you can't play one sport 12 months of the year. You've got to be able to be multidimensional. It makes you a more rounded athlete, and it also keeps the enthusiasm and the drive for that sport going when you take a break from it. So um, last little note here before we go into our segment, uh, questions from the gallery. Um, last piece of advice you, you could give our listeners on, on what it takes to make it, you know, in general, in sports, uh, golf, hockey, um, just just what it takes. Well, I think you have to follow your dreams. I mean, obviously it takes hard work, it takes dedication, but the part that I think gets lost now is it still has to be fun. I mean, I think if you take young kids now, a lot of the fun has left the game, and that's something that I was happy right up until the bitter end when I retired is I enjoyed being at the rink every day and you have to have that enjoyment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. So off to a question from the gallery sponsored by player golf. Uh, be sure to use the promo code off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. 
That's off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. Alrighty, Grant, there's uh, quite a few questions here for you. You ready for these? I'm ready. Alrighty, from uh, Phil Gross, he has a few here. Uh, what's the best score you've shot on the golf course? Uh, my lowest score so far has been 63. Whoa, stick. <laughs> where, where was that at? I've, a couple places. I've done it at the TPC Scottsdale. I've done it at a place called Legend Trail. Uh, I've been, what have I been, 64 at the Royal Mayfair. So we, we scattered it around at a few places. Perfect. So if we're playing against each other, I'm getting shots then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, he asked, uh, what's the best golf course you've ever played in your opinion? Uh, prettiest golf course would be Pebble Beach. Hardest golf course would probably be either Carnoustie or Bethpage Black. Wow. I actually have a flag in, in my office right now. It's actually signed by Abraham Answer. You know who that is? I do. My cousin Caddy's for that guy. You know that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's a good player. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's got dirty mats around the greens. I was watching some Instagram videos. Um, so uh, he also asked a couple more here. Uh, NHL Dream Foursome. Let's see, NHL Dream Foursome. Oh, I'd probably play with Mario, Brad Hall, and Gratz. Right on. Uh, who was your favorite teammate you ever played with? Um, I liked all the teammates I played with. I mean, there's no one particular favorite. I was lucky enough to play with a bunch of great guys. Okay, so uh, this question was uh, quite uh, a hot topic um, from Chris Carley, Brian Fitzpatrick, and Steve Samchuk. Uh, what did he happen to say to Steve Smith in the dressing room after that unfortunate game back in 1986? You know what's funny? is We didn't really say anything. I mean, <laughs> we all realized that shit happens sometimes, and it was just one of those moments. I mean, in the long run, it probably made us a better hockey team. So I don't think anything had to be said. I mean, we all knew that things happen, and it's just one of those unfortunate things. From our mother, uh, she asked, uh, what, what what was it like watching coffee, Gretzky, curry, etc., uh, break out of your zone? Hey, I had the best seat in the house to watch the best <laughs> players in the game, so you can't ask for any more than that. That's a, that's a great answer. <laughs> um, what type of gear are you carrying in your bag? Uh, I'm sponsored by Strixon, so I've got 14 Strixon clubs going right now. Uh, so my brother asked uh, his. I mean, he says, uh, aside from Desert Dunes, uh, what would be your favorite golf course in Palm Springs and area? Uh, that's all. Uh, so far, he says La Quinta Resort Mountain Course is his favorite. The Mountain Course is a fabulous golf course. I'm a big fan of the Stadium Course over at PGA West. Uh, what else is good? The Vintage is really good. Tradition's really good. I mean, the Classic Club's really good. So there's no shortage of good golf courses down here. That's the beauty of it. Sorry. Uh, on average, how many rounds of golf uh, are you playing in a calendar year? Well, between replacing body parts and such, I somewhere <laughs> between 120 and I think the most I've played in a year down here is about 230. Wow. That's not bad, hey? <laughs> I still like to play a little. <laughs> Um, this was an anonymous question. Uh, have you ever had an a, uh, altercation with a teammate? No, actually, I've gotten along great with all my teammates. 
Um, who's your favorite golfer on the PGA Tour and why? Uh, let's see. Past tense, I was always a big Seve Ballesteros fan just because of his short game. It didn't yeah. matter where he hit it. He could always get it around. I'm still a big Tiger fan. I still think he's one of the best players in the world. He's, I still think he's the best iron player in the world for sure. So I'm still a big fan of Tigers. Uh, do you have any, uh, any hole-in-ones? I've got four. Oh, do you know where all at? Uh, let's see. One at Banff Springs on number eight at the Cauldron. I have one on the eighth hole at Royal Mayfair. I had one at Rich Harvest Farms, and then I had one this year in Vegas at Shadow Creek. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong again, I believe you're a Southpaw goaltender, correct? I am, but I golf right-handed. You golf right-handed. So this is a hockey question a few of my players uh, asked. Do you find it uh, harder for shooters to shoot on a Southpaw tender? I think it's an advantage. I mean, you think in the heat of the game, when a forward's got half a second to a second to shoot the puck, a lot of them go by instinct. Yeah. So nat- they're naturally going to shoot at your glove hand, and especially if you happen to give them a little more net to see on that side, their instincts are they're going to go there. So it's a definite advantage. Do you have a favorite moment from when you were in, in Edmonton? Uh, just playing there. I mean, I'm born and raised right there, so just being able to play for the Oilers is probably my favorite. Uh, cheapest guy you played with? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Not really sure. <laughs> we can always pass that one. <laughs> uh, have you ever scored a goal? I have not. Really? No, I'm a playmaker. Lots of assists, but never scored a goal. <laughs> okay, well, let's spin that then. What's your uh, career high in assists in a season? Uh, 14 one year. Wow, that's probably more than most guys have in like a season nowadays as a defenseman or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think it, actually, I think it's still a record in the league. Wow. Um, well, Grant, uh, this has been awesome. Uh, do you have any of my last-minute notes here uh, before I let you go here? Okay. Yeah, no, sorry. Do you have any last uh, notes here before I uh, let you go? No, actually, I'm good. Right on. You guys get your golf courses open soon and you get a chance to play. Yeah, right on. Well, this has been awesome, Grant, and I hope we can do it again. That's my pleasure. Take care. Coors Light is the official light beer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's also the official beer of watching 2013 reruns, catching up on video calls, and wearing the same sweats as you did yesterday. Visit your local retailer for great prices on 18, 24, 36 can packs. Coors Light, made to chill. Well, there it is, the interview with Ben Silverman and Grant Fear. Wow. What an inter- what both interviews, just great. Really happy that they both came on. They're both good guests. I hope all the other fans really enjoyed Grant. And I hope everyone enjoyed Benny too. I mean, they're both really good guys and I really appreciate them coming on the show. Um moving forward now, uh, it's Wednesday. Uh, or whatever day you're listening to the, this podcast, I guess. I mean, we're we're pumping out two a week right now, so uh, get your uh, your phones on and your earbuds in and listen. Uh, we hope you guys are joining us uh, so far. Again, all the support sponsors, right down from the from the starting sponsor to the end sponsor. You know what? We're this has been awesome. We appreciate it so much. 
Um, we're we're gonna have more guests on, and we have tons of your content coming your way. So, um, moving forward here on Twitter, on Instagram, un- underscore off the hosel, Facebook off the hosel, and um, yeah. So I guess there'll be two days still now. To uh, remember, reminder, get two more days until you can have a chance to win that uh, player golf hat from our friends over at Player Golf. So yeah, I wouldn't want to um, miss out on that chance to win a hat. So check out the social media pages. And, yeah, I have nothing much more for you guys, I don't think. I don't know who's going out next week, but we won't give you a teaser like we did last time. So keep your uh, your eyes uh, open and your ears peeled. You might hear some rumblings down the road here. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Whenever you listen to this podcast, we'll talk to you guys next Monday. Have a great weekend, weekday. See you guys. Bye.